Welcome to the Hotel Alice podcast, where once again we've shaken up our usual format. Today we are welcoming Andrew Harrington to the microphone. Andrew is a partner at AHV Associates who concentrates on M&A, capital raising and financial advisory in and around the hotel space. He finds himself alongside me, Chris Bound, the editor of Hotel Analyst, and another Andrew, Andrew Sangster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. I, for one, am delighted to have Another Andrew around the desk of insights, <laughs> not least as I'm expecting him to play bull to Andrew's bear on the coronavirus situation. Uh, um, we're going to f- start by uh, talking first about uh, uh, a rather interesting event we, I think, all of three of us virtually attended uh, last week called Hospitality Tomorrow. Um, and I think probably for all of us, it, and perhaps for all the way other many hundreds and even into the thousands of people who attended, it's probably their, their first virtual conference. But uh, Andrew H, what was your what was your takeaways from the event? Well, I thought it was a very very good event, and congratulations to everybody who who uh, who did it and put it together. I mean, the main takeaway is these virtual conferences certainly have a role, but I, they do, they do not replace the real conferences, and I think that's an important point because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of talk about how you know international conferences. Uh, when are they going to come back? Are they going to come back? Of course they're going to come back because you cannot beat international conferences, international meetings um, in order to establish relationships. We're human beings. We like to see uh, the people we're talking to. We like to bump into people at, at uh, drink sessions, etc., etc. Um, so, so it was an excellent event. I learned a lot. I think the main takeaways uh, in relation to the content was the industry is still in a state of shock, a lot of doom and gloom. Uh, I think there's there's starting to become an acceptance of the situation, which is good because then you can start thinking rationally as a, a an owner of a hospitality business or a hotel, you know, asset, etc. And there's people starting to think about, you know, preparing for the future, preparing for when their hotels reopen. Uh, starting to think about important trends that existed beforehand, of course, but will be accelerated, uh, in my view, as a result of this uh, this crisis, which is cleanliness. How do you have a restaurant where you've got to maintain minimum distances between tables, probably, and social distancing, you know, and uh, technology, the whole ESG stuff. So, so I think overall, great event reinforces my view that you can't beat the physical thing. Uh, and I think that uh, there was some evidence that people are starting to plan for the future. But overall, it was very good. Now, Andrew S., you were, you actually had to participate. You led mm. a session, so you were one of the few that couldn't turn up in his gym jams. Yeah. <laughs> virtual event. You actually had to look a bit decent on camera. Um, what, did you, what did you reckon from... Uh, I'll, I'll let you into a quick talk- secret there. We spent ages arranging the bookshelves behind us, actually. <laughs> and, and the decision we came to, we put too many sort of statue things in. The consensus seemed to be, have lots of books to demonstrate learning. We had too many statues and stuff. And, and, and in fact, uh, Sarah, um, my wife actually put a bunch of flowers in there as well. But Well, um, I, did, I did think from the, the various participants, we, got a, we did get to view a lot of domestic ceilings. <laughs> yes, yeah. too much too much up your nose wasn't there yeah. um, depends where your your camera is located on your laptop actually yeah um the learning there but it, it, 
I, I absolutely agree with what Andrew said in terms of the need for the face-to-face. Um, and I also agree that, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk. I mean, if you look at, say, the share price of a company like Zoom, which has just gone off into the stratosphere, I, I think that's going to come crashing down with a bump when people realise, actually, that's not sustainable. Everybody is not going online. When we do get back into having sort of business in as normal or at least semi-normal, um, those virtual things things will be much less used i think and you know as a conference organizer i think there are you know virtual events are a good supplement but not a replacement for uh the real thing um which is great news because i think if you're running a big box um conference hotel at some point you're going to be coming back to business I, I think the issue is how long that will be before things start going in uh, I, I i think that the hospitality tomorrow event which is organized by our partners bench events um who we're working with for our operational real estate event um w- what came out of that event overall was as andrew said this this sense of shock in the industry i mean this truly is something which the likes of which you just can't imagine actually um you can't plan for you think you know this is a true black swan you have you know you put various business scenarios in about declines and you can be quite bearish about a decline but very (laughs) have you ever seen a business plan andrew where you actually have a complete stop in business and trading for three to six months i've I've never seen anything like it it's incredible um so i i I think it's truly unusual i mean i i think as we get into the, the discussion today um you know it's the nature of what lies on the other side of what we've had here which is going to be key a couple of things i i found really interesting was for for the first time you know here we were looking at a conference stage where we'd got people participating from west coast america from africa we had paul pisani from malta from corinthia hotels and normally those sort of people you can't get them all on one stage together because they're too busy to travel around the world to get there so i i I thought the the mix of opinions um, and input was was very helpful Chris, I just say just one point on that, if I may. Uh, you know, it's quite interesting because I think probably where we're going to get to is we're going to get these international conferences, and that's great. But we're also going to get uh, virtual participants. I, I, I do not, I cannot, I do not see why IHIF in Berlin, for example, or, or or any of the big conferences can't have a whole load of people there, but also a whole load of people sort of dialing in and watching and maybe submitting questions and stuff like that. Obviously, you charge less for it right but i i can't you know it seems to me that that is a real possibility which would be good for everybody there we are yeah the hybrid model <laughs> you've the come up with model. fantastic Chris, yeah there That's we great. go yeah mm. great now then let's talk to let's turn to our second topic of the mm. day um and uh we we've written this week in our perspective for hotel analyst subscribers about um various views on how the recovery is going to uh, take place how quickly how slowly you're fairly upbeat um do the latest numbers from the obr and imf give you any uh, reason to change your views well no i mean the obr was pretty positive actually i mean it is obviously the case that when you stop economic activity for a period of time your gdp goes down but the gdp figures the 35 percent that they came up with do not include the you know 10 percent plus of gdp that the governments have committed in order to keeping the economy ready for, uh, for for when it comes back. So, of course, the headline numbers are going to be really bad. The OBR predicts we're going to have a fairly, fairly rapid 
turnaround and we'll back we'll be back literally to to to, to pre-crisis levels by the end of the year you know i do not know whether that is the case i do know that 10 to 15 percent of gdp is twice as much at least as occurred in the global financial crisis in terms of government support and it's happening now rather than two years after the global financial crisis and it is for that reason that i think hoteliers are being far too gloomy quite frankly this is not the global financial crisis. Bank capital is three times what it was then. Banks are being pressurised to lend to um, to businesses, and they are lending to businesses. We've got masses of direct government support in the form of grants or loans that can be written off in the US or Kurzarbeit, which is the the the, um, the scheme to subsidise furloughed workers in Germany, workers in Germany, etc. Now, of course, if this thing goes on for six months, and we're all locked up for six months, then it's a different ball game. But then, frankly, you're going to get rioting on the streets and social unrest, so we'll have bigger problems. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's true. So, so, so they will have to release the lockdown. Whatever one's views on government policy, the fact is that most countries have pursued this strategy. They will have to release it in the short term, by which I mean in the next month, two months, something like that, because any other alternative has huge amounts of other problems. And we're already seeing in the UK, 50 accidents, emergencies down 50%. Why? The belief is that there's lots of people with non-COVID illnesses are not going to hospital. That is a huge problem because they need to go to hospital because they have illnesses that need to be dealt with. So. So on the assumption that that analysis is correct and, and the lockdowns have to be have to start to be released in the short term, which I define as, let's say, a couple of months, let's just say for argument's sake, right? then the huge amount of government support will, in my view, have kept the vast majority of businesses afloat uh, and able to participate in the economy fully from that date. And it, that is the origin of my optimism. Now, SDR think we won't be back to normal fully for two years in, in the hotel world. They may be right. I think that's probably a bit too pessimistic. I think certain areas are going to come back with a bang, like domestic leisure, uh, well, domestic anything, really. <laughs> you know, and then gradually you'll get international business, etc., etc. There are many people who are hotel operators who will agree with me or disagree with me. There's no right or wrong. But you're going to get it in stages, and it's going to be different in some respects. You're going to have to have a degree of social distancing in hotels and cleanliness and all that sort of stuff's gonna, gonna come in and, and that's gonna be important. The other point I would make, which I know Andrew's gonna disagree with, and that's fine. <laughs> I, 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 that's absolutely fine. I, I don't think actually the shape of the hotel industry in a year's time will be markedly different from what it was three months ago. You know, there are certain trends that we know exist. We know that leisure has increased as a percentage of GDP, whatever you want to call it, for many, many, many years. We know international travel has. You know, we know international conferences have. You know, we know the staycation phenomena has been around for like 10, 15 years. We know that people are social animals. They want to get out and meet people. They want to go to nice places, have spa weekends and all that stuff. That ain't going to change. It might come back in stages, but the starting point is that the existing trends, which we know have existed for many, many years, are going to reassert themselves, you know, uh, once this, uh, when, it, when it starts to starts to be over and you see a pathway to normality. So, you know, that's the origin of my optimism. And I actually think the hotel industry generally is being far too pessimistic. Interestingly, and my final point, interestingly, <laughs> the most bearish economist of all, Roger Bootle, 
who has been Doctor Doom and Gloom for eighteen <coughs> years, right? Since since the nineties when I was in investment banking, he's very very positive, essentially for the reasons I've given because of the huge amount of government support. The OBR are pretty positive because of the huge amounts of government support, and other investment banks are positive because of the huge huge amounts of government support. It's just the hoteliers that are a miserable lot, and, a really <laughs> and and some of the commentators <laughs> as well. I and think. some of the commentators. Yeah, <laughs> of course, of course. I think what's encouraging. I think Andrew and I are in complete agreement about two things. Uh, first is the depth of the crisis. I'll talk about some of the numbers in a moment on that and the second thing is about the long-term future of travel tourism hospitality without a shadow of a doubt it, it is a growth business in the long term without a shadow of a doubt if economies want to fully recover out of this they've got to embrace um, the opportunities within our sector and, and actually change some government economic policies to fully exploit the opportunities that lie within our sector even before we went into this down this crash um, one in three new jobs are coming out of our sector coming out of it um, I would argue that probably even more that the percentage of new jobs that are going to be created um, will be higher um, so it'll be greater than maybe even one in two of the new jobs which will uh, can be delivered will come out of our sector um, where we differ is is on how long this that we might have a challenge let's just talk about um, the numbers in terms of the depth of the crash so we've already heard that the office of budget responsibility the 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 uk government's watchdog if you like on on what the the government's forecasts are um they've said there's a 35 percent drop in real gdp um as a result of the government lockdowns um, to put this in context the uh, great financial crisis of 2008-2009 in the UK that was 6.4% from peak to trough the drop during the great depression the IMF said this week during its press conference on average it was something like a 16 point contraction so this this drop we've got is more than double the the worst depression we've ever seen in modern times um what the optimism is built on is a v-shaped recovery and um greater minds than mine certainly roger bootle is saying you know we're going to have a v-shape we're going to come roaring back out of this um the obr is saying we're going to come roaring back out of this and we're going to have a huge liftoff um to get back so you know so if we've had a 35 percent drop to actually have growth again we've got to have the equivalent upside um I will leave it to listeners to make up their own minds, but if we come out of this in an environment where unemployment is in excess of 10%, if we're in an environment where we've had huge impacts to people's personal resources, we're going to see real asset prices dropping quite significantly, I suspect, when we can actually see some of these trade. We've had a big shock in terms of the stock market. Are we really, are we really going to see that sort of rocket ship recovery? Um, I, I just find that um incredible i don't see how that's possible and well, given that 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 may may be the case in other sectors but in our sector how are we going to see a full recovery when we've got social distancing in how do we see are people going to be wanting had to have mass gatherings i personally 
and doubtful governments are going to allow mass gatherings any time in 2020. Um, frankly, until we get a vaccine, I don't think we're going to see mass gatherings again because all the scientific evidence on which most of the governments have based their lockdowns, um, the scientific evidence suggests that we're going to see a series of um, outbreaks coming up and we'll have on again, off again, on again, off again, sort of lockdowns. Um, and in that context, A, it's really challenging to try and operate hospitality businesses in that context. Um, how do you have hire in people and then then lay them off again in like that on a sort of month by month basis that's a real challenge i think um and the second thing in that you just can't get back to business as usual in in that in that context so I, that that's why i have this skepticism about the nature of of the recovery and just just you know i'm not alone in this i mean there's a note came out today from morgan stanley their analyst said that the rev par is going to take six years to get back to 2019 levels um that's because of this on again off again lockdown scenarios which they're envisaging that's mostly through in the, in the us where they're saying that i mean obviously they're looking at the big listed players where they've got the bulk of their portfolios in the US and that's the challenge there and I, I you know I, I think that's where we just disagree and I, th I think you're just going to have to take a punt on this and I think Andrew's optimism is is you know if it, it can be certainly held up and justified I, I just feel that the risks are much more on the downside and I think a more realistic scenario is the one I'm painting which is a very drawn out recovery um, and a very difficult recovery. The peak to trough GDP is an economic number the important point is whether or not capacity in the economy is permanently destroyed or not that's the key point because if capacity in the economy is not permanently destroyed i'm making a general comment about the economy but it applies to the hospitality industry if capacity is not permanently destroyed then it is there to support a rapid recovery the other point i would make and, and if it is permanently destroyed it's not and what happened in the global financial crisis because governments were two years too late in acting because nobody really understood it there was a significant amount of capacity that was permanently destroyed but i do not believe that will be the case in this particular crisis the other point you know what andrew you made a very very good point right which is we're not going to get mass gatherings until there's a vaccine most people think there's going to be a vaccine within a year let's say a year and a half that's incredibly positive i'll tell you why that's incredibly positive because when funders are looking at opportunities they need to be able to forecast the future right and if there's a high degree of probability that a vaccine will emerge let's say in a year's time then they can model with a high degree of certainty and they can place value on assets and on businesses with a high degree of certainty that is an incredibly positive point and that often by itself if what you say is correct and there's a reason why uncertainty over vaccine will result in a lot of capital flowing to the sector because there's a hell of a lot of capital out there and it doesn't like earning half a percent in the bank <laughs> let's look at our third topic um and we're going to have a look at as we have in in the perspective this week at how the global major hotel chain uh, chains and brands have been responding to the situation that we all find ourselves in um who are the winners who you think have made some missteps uh over to you andrew h first well that's it, oh, another incredibly good question i have to say i mean there's clearly going to have to be a fundamental change in, and I'm, I'm not the only one saying this people with many many more years of, of operating experience than i have are saying there's going to be a fundamental change in the relationship isn't there between hotel brands and um, and owners and operators uh, hotel brands at the moment have a fairly risk-free sort of life 
and that ain't gonna that, that's gonna change and I think the ones who recognize that point will be the ones who will do the best right now the hotel brands they're making a lot of noises and all that sort of stuff but we don't really know where they're gonna come out in terms of the relationship with operators and, 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 and owners and we won't know that until those negotiations start in earnest um, obviously the hotel brands are all you know raising capital and all that sort of stuff with a high degree of success and um, there's quite a lot of money that banks have uh, committed to them uh, via their revolving credit facilities um, and that's what's being preoccupied and they're making all the right noises some of their hotels are using to house healthcare workers and people in quarantine and all that sort of stuff but at this moment in time I do not think it is possible to say how the hotel brands will actually emerge from this because the really tough stuff hasn't really started yet which is the relationship between those three participants i i, I completely agree with that. that 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 piece is is going to be critical but i think what we can say if we look at the the balance sheets of the global majors that most of the really big ones are going to make it through i don't think there's any question we're going to see the disappearance of a hilton or a marriott or an ihg or an accor they're all looking pretty robust the balance sheet wise um marriott this week said it's got 4.5 billion of bank commitments US dollars um, is drawn down and it's got waivers on its covenants um, that's a, probably the biggest um, cash pile although Accor's certainly rivals it um, Hilton's drawn down 1.75 billion on its revolving credit um, it's got it reckons 2.1 billion of cash um, they've got enough to see them through um, but see them through to what and see them through to what sort of new order is going to be afoot in terms of the relationship I think there's going to be a much closer intertwining between um, the brand and the operator and the owner i think there has to be in this environment because we're going to see a huge amount of distress at the operator level and at the the owner level um, and and the banks the lenders are going to force um, cooperation i think across the industry to to get this resolved and i think the the global majors that embrace that um will will actually make the best headway from the get-go i'll be interested though andrew to ask you i mean uh, when i look at this i th i think the ones who are most exposed here are not the global majors they're the the the, the next notch down in terms of size um they're the ones for me which are going to come under the pressure because i'm not sure exactly what their offer is going to be out there in the marketplace and i think that is where we're going to see some real consolidation and possible collapses as well did, did you agree with that yeah i mean i think i think desmond talliard made a good point i think it was on your panel actually andrew yeah, that's right it was yeah yeah, yeah, at the conference last week about three and four star, I think he said three and four star hotels and unbranded three and four star. I think that's actually a very good point. Uh, you know, what, 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 what role do they, do they fulfill in the market? They can't really, you know, they, they've got a full set of overheads, but they can't really charge enough to make it super duper profitable, like, you know, top five star hotel, etc. So I think that's a very interesting point. I mean, I would make one point, Andrew, which is, uh, you know, uh, I generally tend to follow on a regular basis the the sort of hotel groups that you're talking about, some of which are quoted, some are not. There was a very interesting announcement yesterday by Safestay, uh, which is uh, a hostel operator in Europe. It's quoted on the, the, AI, uh, the AIM um, 
Uh, and they, they announced that they'd extended their overdraft facility with HSBC by £5 million. They'd reduced their overheads to, I think it's like 600000 a month. They had enough bandwidth to survive at least, I think they said, 10 months. Okay. Now, I know from non-quoted companies and, 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 and transactions I'm involved with that banks are, are extending those sorts of credit facilities across the board right, to those sorts of companies. Now, to, to what we were discussing earlier, you know, if this thing goes on for months and months and months, then it's all not going to matter because banks aren't going to fund these guys forever, right? Uh, but if it lasts a few months before things start to get back to normal, I mean, you know, there's a clear pathway and it starts, then I think actually a lot of these companies that, you know, are, are, are small, medium-sized, below, below the radar screen, then they are going to be around and they're probably going to be profitable because they clearly have a niche. They won't be as profitable as they want to become, right? For the reasons that Desmond has said. Mm. So I, I suspect there's going to be, certainly if you pursue the argument that I'm pursuing, which is, you know, if it all lasts a few months and starts to normalise, then there's not going to be a lot of bankruptcies. Then I think you will see M&A in that space for sure because they won't be able to afford the social distancing in restaurants and all the cleaning and all that sort of stuff. But I, I, I don't suspect there's going to be a lot of distress in that space. So in, in other words, it's going to be where you've got stressed balance sheets and there's going to be action forced by lenders on, on those companies with the distressed balance sheets. And, and they can't afford to invest. They can't afford to yeah. invest, which is what every hotel will have to do. Is this an environment where you see private equity funds leap in, vulture funds, as we might start calling them? Loads of private equity companies have called me in the last week or so. They all want to buy fantastic assets at a huge discount. They ain't going to get them, full stop. <laughs> and, and I tell them this. I said, yeah, absolutely smoking dope. This is not 2008. <laughs> banks, banks are going to support these these assets, these companies. Uh, if it goes on for a long, long time, then you might have a chance. But there's huge amounts of money around. And if you start out with a 30% discount on what it was trading at last year, because of the amount of money around chasing these assets, it's going to end up at about, you know, maybe a 5% discount or something like that. So, so there is huge amounts of money around, but with with this with this group that that we're talking about, I think the key thing is will they have the uh, cash flow in the future to invest? Because they will need to invest. They'll need to invest in the cleanliness stuff. They're going to need to invest in social distancing. You know, managing social distancing certainly for a period of a year or more. I mean, I think that that's reasonable. I think also, and a key, key point, they're going to have to invest in wellness and stuff like that because that's going to become a key trend, right? And, and wellness is not cheap, <laughs> you know. So I think, I, think I, I, I suspect there's not going to be a lot of distress. Uh, private, there's huge amounts of private equity sniffing around. And I suspect the ones that are going to be in difficulty, the ones who are highly leveraged, don't have the cash flows to invest and don't have a clear and distinct proposition that can survive this crisis. Thank you very much, Andrew Harrington, for joining us. I think we've, you've given us plenty Thank to you. think about. We'll say goodbye for now.